Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Welcome to Kyle Brandt's Basement. Hey guys, has anybody seen Damar Hamlin? Have you seen him? And if you think you've seen him, can you prove that it's him? We must have proof. And even if we have photos and videos, we can't prove that those aren't altered. That was a wild thing yesterday. It was fun to talk to Josh about that. The Damar Hamlin body double conspiracy theory, which is still turgid online. Uh, it's a, like a raging river. People love it. What do we love today? All kinds of things. We're going to talk about uh, the Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and the thing that's driving me crazy about that. We're going to talk about the Bengals and the thing that's making me laugh about that. But first, how about something I love? Is Aaron Rodgers going to become a neighbor of mine? Is he going to come over to borrow, borrow a cup of sugar? Is he going to be at my block party? I live in New York. I live in like Jets slash Giants country. We have to talk about that. We also have takes on takes. You might imagine there's some blistering hot takes coming this week going into title game weekend. It's only a few days away. Four or five days from now, we're going to know who plays the Super Bowl. Let's enjoy this ride together. Plus, people are buying water from um, Disneyland, from Disney World from Splash Mountain. They're buying water because they're closing it down. I think I went in on that. That's the new crypto. Let's start with what I love, what I hate, and what's hilarious. Ah, let's go. I love the Aaron Rodgers to the New York Jets. Hysteria. And there's so many layers to it. Let me try to just get into it. Okay, so it seems there really is an appetite in Green Bay to trade the four-time MVP. And they don't want to do it to the NFC because then he comes back and puts their head on a stick. So they're going to trade it to an AFC team. That's the report. First of all, Packers fans, if you woke up tomorrow morning and Aaron Rodgers had been traded, would you feel devastated or would you feel exhilarated or would you feel confused? I think most of the Packers fans that I talk to and see online have this vague, intangible, sort of, I'm ready to move on feeling. I can't ex describe why, they can't really give specific reasons why, it's just time. And I think I understand what they mean. And there's a lot of reasons, practical reasons, why it would be advantageous to move on from Rodgers, but it's also, you're losing the best quarterback I've ever seen in my life. He's gone, he's not on your team anymore, it's over. So when it comes to them being traded, to Rodgers being traded to the Jets, okay? Here's the obvious reasons. Let's just set the table. AFC, check. Uh, needing a quarterback, check. And then all these just lame kind of meat and potato reasons. Well, they got this great young wide receiver, and they, they, got, they might have both rookies of the year, offensive defense, and they have a better offensive line, and they have this defense, and... You know, Robert Sala is great to play for, and they have a good atmosphere, and that's all fine. That's great if you're just going to go for the low-hanging fruit of reasons why Rodgers might end up in the Jets. Fine. It's just a lot more complicated. And I think that Connor Orr from Sports Illustrated did a great job in writing a column of he has this history as covering the Jets and being in there in some of their most miserable eras of quarterbacking. And he's like, he's, his column is basically like, screw it, it's crazy, but I think we should do it anyway. And he even goes so far as to talk about the fit of Rodgers in New York. And this guy did the research. Connor Orr says, There is even an ayahuasca retreat 
and Shamanic Healing Center a few a mere two hours and seven minutes from the facility that accepts and sells gift cards should the team wonder what to get him on his free agent visit. Um, so he did the work into that. But it brings into mind the bigger question. Um, Aaron Rodgers working and living and recreating in the New York, New Jersey area. Do you see it? Would he want that? The answer is hell no. And I feel very strongly that this will not happen. I do not think that Aaron Rodgers will ever take a snap for the New York Jets. I feel very strongly about it. I don't think he is a fit for this culture, this region, this, this everything. Let's, let's just understand where Aaron Rodgers is coming from, all right? As far as I know, the only places he's ever lived in his life, he comes from Chico, California. If you don't know Chico, it's where the Sierra Nevada beer comes from. That's one of its claims to fame. It's kind of Sacramento adjacent. It's the kind of place that Guy Fieri would find a funky little joint that's serving up real deal, you know, club sandwiches or turkey burgers, whatever. Kind of like a little granola, little hippie, nice place. I've been there, I went to a wedding there. But that, that ain't like Northern New Jersey. That's not the turnpike in the Bada Bing. All right, so then he was to college at Berkeley, you know, self-explanatory. You know the history there, the kind of vibe they have there. And then he moves to Wisconsin, all right? I've spent my summers as a child in Wisconsin. Wonderful state, probably my favorite state in the country. It is not Manhattan, it is not Northern New Jersey, it is not any of those towns around where the Jets are. Then I believe he has a home in California and LA, like in Malibu, probably amazing overlooking the cliffs. Again, not off the turnpike, not the deal there. I don't think, I live there, I, I've done it kind of all the same thing. I'm born in the Midwest, spent 15 years in California, and now I live in the New York, New Jersey area. Can you see Rogers here? I don't think so at all. I just don't think that he would live in Manhattan. I don't think he's a fit for the New Jersey suburbs, and maybe I'm underselling him and maybe I'll be proven wrong. I really, really don't think so. I don't think that is a fit whatsoever, and I think it takes a very specific type of fit, never mind even before we get to the media or the football, just to live here, to live here half the year, to live here half the year for a couple of years. I, I don't see it. And people, even Connor Orr goes on to suggest that, oh, the, the pizza here is incredible, ha, 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 like, Rogers is anti-dairy. He's on record on that. He, he tries to stay away from the dairy, so that's nothing, okay? I don't think that his personality and his... Um, philosophies and his comfort in asserting himself in the media would fly. Jimmy Traina, who is like New York to the core, friend of the show here, also writes for uh, Sports Illustrated and does the media podcast. <laughs> his take was, Aaron Rodgers, who perpetually plays the victim, antagonizes the media, and thinks he's a new age guru versus the New York media? It would be a content bonanza for all of us. Yes, please. Now, Jimmy comes from a very cynical uh, New York perspective and knows New York media inside and out. And I don't agree with him with all his opinions on Rogers, but there is that. That's the kind of person who's waiting for Rogers' first press conference, waiting for him to give his first answer that's philosophically different than theirs, that is in any way meandering, that they just attack. I don't think that's a fit. I really don't. I'm not into it. Um, would the Jets want to trade for Rodgers? Understand that. For the Jets to get Rodgers, one of the reports, I think it was Peter King, was 
they got to give two first round picks. Two. And bear in mind, the, the Jets picks this last year were incredible. And Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner. So like, they're on a little bit of a heater with their draft picks. Plus, you got to pay them a ton of money. Rodgers do 110 million over the next two years. So tons of money, tons of draft capital to come in and do you have to go against Josh Allen and the Bills for the next couple of years and then Rodgers retires? I don't know. The, the, I don't know what the Jets' alternative is. I just I'll come back to this, even if the Jets wanted to. Rodgers doesn't have the no trade. He doesn't have the thing like some of these quarterbacks have, like Derek Carr, Russell Wilson, where the Packers have to say, listen, we'd like to trade you to the Jets. Do you approve it? That's not, he doesn't have that. He has everything else. He has every dollar that's not nailed down, but he doesn't have that. And yet, that's not the end-all be-all either. The Jets aren't going to trade for him if Rodgers is kicking and stomping his feet saying, I never want to be a Jet, I'm done. It's just, they wouldn't do that. It wouldn't work out. Plus, I don't think Rodgers is going to retire. I just don't. The very little insight I, I've had with him personally, knowing him the tiniest, tiniest bit through the media, I would never over-exaggerate any relationship I have with him. I, I've known him a little bit, a little. Because I know he keeps track of people who knows him and don't. I'm not, I, I don't know him inside and out. I do think, though, that he's not ready to retire and to hang it up. I just don't think he's ready. I don't think that was the last season he's ever going to play out there. I think that his body feels good, except for the thumb that'll heal. I think he's still extremely talented. Also, he's already openly talking, I think it was with McAfee, about how his, his number would have to restructure, his cash number. I think no one who's planning to retire starts saying, yeah, the number would have to change, the structuring of my contract would have to change. Once you already start thinking about that, I really think it's out of the barn at that point. I do. So I think he is going to play football next year. I don't know if it's going to be for the Packers, but I feel very, very strongly that it will not be for the Jets. I don't think he, I don't think he wants to live here. I don't think he wants to play in the AFC East. And I just don't think it's a fit whatsoever. Football-wise, sure, you can make the case, well, what do you mean? He's going to be the best Jets quarterback ever and he'll have better receivers. Fine. Do you know this region? Have you ever been here? Do you know what the New York Post is like and the New York media is like? That's oil and water. And I don't think Rodgers is afraid of it. I don't think he'd back down from it. It's just, it would be highly, highly combustible every single day. Win, lose, doesn't matter. It's, I don't think it's a fit. I've said this before, I think Aaron Rodgers is the best interview, definitely in football, maybe in sports, and I don't see a lot of better than other, other outside of even sports that are better than him. He refuses to give a stock answer, he puts thought into every answer, and sometimes to a fault, because he really is candid, even with things that piss people off. That, that doesn't, I don't think that flies here. Unless he shows up here, and he is just lights out and they've come out of the gates 12 and 0, he can say whatever he wants. But look at the people in New York City over the last decade, decade and a half, 20 years, who have prospered on the field and who have been flawless in the media, okay? Eli Manning, one of our bosses here, who we love, but is not showing up and flipping the table at press conferences, far from it. And Derek Jeter, who wouldn't say crap if he had a mouth full of it for his entire career, a wildly boring interview as a player, but it worked. He just keeps his mouth shut and that's how it goes. Rogers is gonna sit up there and, and put his hair back behind his ear and start going about the philosophies of young quarterbacks. And I love that stuff. 
But I don't write for the Daily News looking to take out my sledgehammer and like make an example of the new guy and welcome to New York. This, this topic could carry the whole week of shows. And you know what? It might carry the entire NFL offseason. Lamar Jackson's out there. Derek Carr is going to be traded at some point. Pfft, small potatoes. Also, how much fatigue do you have on Rodgers? Do you even care? <laughs> do you, I think I saw Marcus Spears yeah, a couple weeks ago being like, I don't care where he goes. I don't want to talk about it. I feel you, big man. But we're going to. I just don't think that our talking is going to be about, wow, it happened. Aaron Rodgers is a New York Jet. Not going to happen. Let's get to what I hate. So, uh, Bill Simmons, you know him from uh, Ringer, ESPN. He's, you know, one of the stalwarts of this industry. Love the Rewatchables podcast. He has a playoff gambling manifesto that he has developed over the years. And, like, if you're going to bet on these games, these playoff games, here's the rules to go by and here's the bylaws to try to be aware of. Well, one of his biggest, most important ones and one of the most fun ones is identifying the no one believes in us team in the playoff field of which there is always at least one sometimes multiple and you got to be aware of that beware and be aware of that team because if you bet against the no one believes in us team it doesn't matter if they're 12 point underdogs those teams find a way to win or certainly cover it's a fascinating thing that has happened in the last five days with the no one believes in us team the afc playoffs and it brings me to what I hate. Because going into the divisional round, Bengals at Bills, the Bengals had that card, the no one believes in us card. And it was printed out in mint condition for them to slap down in that Bills game. And boy, did they ever slap it down. Because not only was there all this heat on the Bills and they're the team of destiny and this incredible story and on and on, they're at home. There was this just made to order storyline where not only had they set up the site for the Bills Chiefs title game. They had sold tickets to this sucker, this game that was gonna be played because you lost, it was perfect. They knew it, they loved it. There was the coin toss thing. The Bengals were surging on the no one believes in us. They were waving the flag running out of the tunnel. The flag says belief with the little cross out Ghostbusters symbol and through it. The second the game's over, Joe Burrow says, better sorry, give us those refunds for the tickets, great. But an incredible thing that's happened is that as Burrow was walking off the field, Mahomes took the no one believes in us card out of his back pocket and put it into his pocket. I hate that somehow the Chiefs, the Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey Chiefs have become the team no one believes in. They're going to play this card because it's right there for him. Here's the ingredients, all right? First of all, you're playing against the same team that beat you in the same stadium in the same game last year. You're at home in the title game against the Joe Burrow Bengals. They beat you last year. So there's a natural expectation they're going to do it this year. Secondly, no one believes in you because, as has been talked about much, the Joe Burrow Bengals have never lost you, playoffs or regular season. They've strung wins together. Nobody strings consecutive wins together against the Kansas City Chiefs of the Patrick Mahomes era. They have. And then as if we needed the cherry on top, Patrick Mahomes is banged up. He's got an ankle. He's, he's a little limpy. So same game as last year. 
Bengals might be better this year. Chiefs might be worse this year. Joe Burrow owns them. They're calling that place Burrowhead Stadium, which is hilarious and a perfect nickname and should have a little TM next to it. And whoever made it up is a genius. And then Mahomes is hurt. So it is fully on the Chiefs. And I bet that they are talking about that this week. If not with the media, then certainly amongst themselves that everyone's picking them. They're home underdogs. Home underdogs. There are underdogs at Arrowhead Stadium. It's the second time ever that Patrick Mahomes has been an underdog at home. He was an underdog at home this year against the Bills, who in fact went in there and beat them. But it's just amazing to me the power of the no one believes in us card that it somehow got to the Patrick Mahomes Chiefs, the most dominant team of the last half decade, the standard of excellence, the team that has hosted the title game, not played in it, my friends, hosted it every year, every year. They got the Hall of Fame coach, they got the MVP Hall of Fame quarterback, they got the Hall of Fame tight end. They've burned out on that no one believes in us because Tyreek is gone. That We stopped caring about that in October. And that's, somehow it's happened. It's an incredible thing that that's happened. It's, it's like no one believes in the Patrick Mahomes Chiefs. I do. <laughs> I definitely do. Believe me, and I'm someone who's a Bills enthusiast, and that doesn't ever come true. The Chiefs thing might actually come true, and it, it's, it's almost farce at this point. You don't believe in the Patrick Mahomes Chiefs? It's like in the third Die Hard movie, and you're like, I don't believe that, that John McClane is going to stop the terrorists. I just, I just don't think this is the one. Have you seen the prior two films? <laughs> he jumped off the building with the fire hose. He kept a plane from crashing. It's, he, he did a lot of stuff. You, you think that he's just going to lose to Jeremy Irons? Or the next one when it was that kid for, from the Apple commercials? What's that kid's name? Uh, it's the fact that we have reached that point. You have to believe in Patrick Mahomes, right? Even though he's injured and he's home, like he's still, I don't care if he lost last year. I don't care if he loses everyone to the Chiefs. Kelsey has 26 catches and warm-ups every week. He's amazing. He's unstoppable. Do you are you reaching a point as an NFL fan where you're like, oh, easily the Bengals are gonna roll through there? That's crazy. You know, it, it's and yet I was talking about this this morning. Eagles, Niners, Chiefs, Bengals. Your life depends on getting one of those picks right. In other words, you have to pick the winner of one of those two games. You can choose either one you want to pick, NFC or AFC. If you get it wrong, you're dead. And if you get it right, you get to live. Which game are you picking? Which team are you picking? Eagles, Niners, I, I have no idea. It's, it's like the same amount of dominance. And if you want to say Philly's at home and they have a quarterback who's a little bit more experienced, sure. But the Niners are so good. There's, no, there's not a no one believes in us team in the NFC. We all believe in both those teams. You probably go in the AFC. And I, I, to save your life, are you picking the Bengals on the road against Mahomes and Reed and Kelsey? Are you? Or are you picking Mahomes at, at, at home? I think the safest pick is, is you know, look, if your life's at risk, you probably want to go with, with, with Las Vegas, who says it's going to be Cincinnati. You probably want to go with the healthier quarterback. It's crazy, though. Like, I'll, I'll put it this way. As much as I like Cincinnati, as much as I just saw them in person in Buffalo just be incredible, if I, if I were to wake up on Sunday and, oh my God, the Chiefs won by 16 points, I would not bat an eye. They're still the Chiefs. I don't care. Mahomes isn't going to practice all week. He'll rehab the hell out of it. He'll be fine. And then he'll be talking to Tracy Wolfson after the game and he'll say, nobody believed in us. This is beautiful little Jim Henson voice. <laughs> That's an amazing thing. 
Did you ever think that would happen? We've reached the point. You know, I, there was one of those LeBron Lakers teams. Or maybe it was even LeBron Cleveland team that no one believed in. Like, you don't believe in LeBron's team? It's just they take any dominant uh, entity at all. And if you work hard enough, you can finally get to the point where you're like, nah, they don't have it. Don't say that about the Chiefs because they're dying for you to say it. It's actually hilarious, but what's even more hilarious is a member of the other team, the Cincinnati Bengals. We gotta get to this. This is gonna be some heavy lifting. Let's go. So, Eli Apple, we should talk about him. We should talk about Eli Apple, the defensive back for the Cincinnati Bengals. What he represents is hilarious. You may be watching this and you may say, bleep that guy, if I see him, I'll fight him. That's why it's hilarious. Eli Apple is a villain. He is, he is the villain we need, the villain we deserve. Sometimes he even ventures into what the comic book world calls super villain. I think we need some of this, guys. Hashtag now more than ever. If you aren't following the story, so Eli Apple uh, was in the Super Bowl last year for the Bengals, of course. They lost. He's uh, crossed swords, if you will, a few times with some notable NFL players. Certainly Tyreek Hill comes to mind. They go into Buffalo. They beat up the Bills. Uh, he makes a couple plays. And then he just whoosh, lights up his flamethrower and just launches an attack on social media. Let's bring it up. Um, when Stefan Diggs lashed out on the sideline and then explained his actions. Diggs tweeted, it's easy to criticize my reaction more than the result. Eli Apple retweets it and says, Cancun on three. In other words, we're all going on vacation on three. Yeah, because our season's over and we lost at home in front of our loving fans. And then he did the, the two hands making the heart symbol, which could have been a coincidence or could have been a reference to what Damar Hamlin has been doing since he nearly died on the field. So that was just one. That's super villain stuff if he did the deliberate DeMar Hamlin stuff, which he says he didn't. What's next? Start rolling him here, let's go. Then, <laughs> he targets our guy Josh and Diggs, saying that someone get them in couples therapy, which is one thing. And then he goes, I'll pay on God, which is magnanimous of him. He says on God, he'll pay for their couples therapy between Josh and Stefan. Okay, what else? He's just going, all right? Then, <laughs> Diggs fires back and says, he has a corn emoji, so I guess he's calling him corny. Clout chasing, corny clout chasing. That's Diggs to Eli Apple. Eli Apple, safe travels to Cabo, fam. <laughs> he does an airplane and like a high five or praying hands. Um, I don't know if I should be laughing at that because it's just, I don't know, mean and petty. But I don't know about you, I like mean and petty stuff in the right context. Shaq Lawson from the Bills comes in. You played a good game, Eli Apple, but disrespect my boy Damar Hamlin situation. That bleep will get you beat up for real, for real. Keep it on the field. Okay. Eli says, a shame you couldn't keep that same energy on the field. Maybe the outcome would have been different. I don't know. Enjoy Mexico with the homies. Um... You may be furious about this if you're a Bills fan and you may be saying, screw that guy. But again, that emotion in you, that's why we need this guy. Now more than ever. Yeah, we, listen, maybe you were from a different generation. 
I am, maybe you're not a kid right now, maybe you grew up through the 80s and 90s. The idea of someone winning a game and saying, ha ha, you're a loser, enjoy your vacation, is entertaining to me. It's entertaining. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't want my children to do it. But as someone who watches sports, I like watching it. I like villains. Yeah. I like guys who are jerks. It's fun to watch. It's fun to watch the back and forth. I, listen, we're in an era of... After the game, let's exchange jerseys. Now you take mine, I'll take yours, and I'll get down in the field, and I'll sign it for you, and let's pose for the picture, and I love you, and you'll know, stay healthy, and go win that championship. That's all great. It's great. There's a lot of that. I like screw you, you suck, you lost. <laughs> I like that too. Like a little vinegar with my sugar sometimes. Don't you? There are guys, you know, whether it's the 90s or 80s or 2000 who... They just openly disrespected the opponent and they chirped them and they chirped them hard. And there was no hug after the game and it was cool. And I liked it. I like villains in movies. I root for them sometimes. I root for them all the time. In the movies, we love them because it's not just everybody getting along and saying, let's train together in the off season or we played in college together or we used to be teammates and man, what a great game you played. And I really love you, buddy. No, I don't like you. You guys are going on vacation because you're losers and I'm going to the next round. I don't care if it's a Bills thing, a Bengals team, a Bengals thing. It's just a sports thing, and I'm into it. And listen, the Eli Apple is perfectly crafted. Let's think of the origin story here. Every villain has one. Eli Apple gets drafted top 10 pick in the draft. Massive. To New York. Okay, this is what we were talking earlier with Aaron Rodgers with the New York media thing. Goes to the Giants. What I remember about him going to New York is immediately his mother became famous because she started tweeting a lot, and she had takes. And she had Edge. And then I think she was hired by some sort of media entity to give her opinions professionally. This is just a young Giants player's mother. You know? I mean, it's think about like Zach Wilson's mother doing a podcast for a whole different world, but I remember his mother had takes, and I was like, that was a big deal in the media at the time. And all of a sudden it doesn't work out in New York. He's spurned, he's cast aside rejected by society, you know, like the Joker or whoever the hell you want to pick. And he's always like not very well liked by the opponents. I think maybe not really well liked by some of his teammates over the years, some of his fans and some of the teams he's played for. But I think with that has become this, this massive, massive edge on him and that he's like a survivor and he is not afraid to speak. I don't like how he rolls. I like watching it. I'm interested in what he has to say. And you know what's fun about this story? Is as we go into Bengals Chiefs, next week it's a story no matter what. If the Bengals win an arrowhead again, does he just start wishing the Chiefs a happy vacation and do all the same emojis to them, enjoy Mexico with the homies? I hope so. If the Bengals lose and Eli, and Eli Apple gets torched, do they come at him? Or does he have anything to say then? I hope so. That's the best part, is that when you attack someone and you're a complete, I have to use the word jerk because we're here at Omaha, it's not how I usually talk. If you're a jerk, then when, they, when, you, when you mess up, they come back at you and that's just as fun to watch. That's when you, you, know, you go to the tweet and all the replies are this, someone eating popcorn or that one where the guy puts out the chair and sits down or I'm just here for the responses. That's live theater, that's how we do it these days. It doesn't work as well if everybody's just friendly. And I know that the NFL and certain other entities might say, you know, we just, 
We just want the, the good guy award and the sportsmanship and the Walter Payton man of the year, and that's wonderful. And it is, but let's not BS each other. We like the bad boys too. We like the agitators, we like the irritators. I remember a long time ago before the Falcons Broncos Super Bowl. This was in like 99, and the Broncos had won one Super Bowl against the Brett Favre Packers, and they were playing this dirty bird Falcons team. And Ray Buchanan was a corner on the Falcons, number 34. And he was just into it with Shannon Sharp, who was the Broncos tight end, who was a Hall of Famer. And they would just go back and forth. And they, one day the, there would be 15 microphones in front of Shannon Sharp at his locker. And then the next day in Atlanta, there'd be 15 fight microphones in front of Ray Buchanan. And he, I mean, they were doing like, they were just going for it. And Ray Buchanan was saying, Shannon Sharp, but you look like a horse. And then Shannon Sharp would fire back with the same type of stuff. Like it was personal and it wasn't like they weren't doing it for likes. They weren't doing it like on a TV talk show for viewers. It wasn't performance art. It wasn't even trolling. It wasn't trolling. It was insulting, directly insulting. And it was attacking. There was no term for trolling back then. There was no clicks. There were no likes. It was nothing. It was two guys who were having a huge game against each other didn't like each other, and didn't feel like lying about it. It was cool. I like it. It was rock and roll. And so is Eli Apple. It's not for everybody. Not. But we need Eli Apples in sports. They're, they're, they're a dying breed. And so like him, hate him, want to fight him, we need him. And we got him. And I can't wait to see what he says next. I think it's hilarious. But you know what else is hilarious, guys? This is great. We've had a little bit of a glow up uh, coming up later in the... Uh, Rant awareness segment. That's a tease. First, though, let's get to takes on takes. We got to let these guys go. Come on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Seven, three, ten, two, five. All the numbers I have at my disposal with which to judge the combatants, the gladiators in the takes on takes segment. Here we go. We've done it all season. We'll continue to do it. We're going to have two different people enter the arena. They give their take on something, a take that I have not seen. I have not prepared for. I'm going to see it raw. And then I judge them based on their delivery, their creativity, and their heat. So in other words, someone who is perfectly articulate, really original, and says something outlandish, that would get the coveted 10, which no one has ever scored in this segment. Let's see who's in. Stephen A. Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith once told me that uh, he avoided being a drug dealer in his neighborhood growing up by playing basketball, and uh, the drug dealers would not let him 
around to try to sell the drugs because they were looking out for him and uh, that if they had not done that, that he would be dead right now. That was his take. It was pretty powerful stuff. But Stephen A. today, this is, uh, excuse me, this was yesterday, actually rather Monday. So this is Monday, um, talking about and taking credit for, in fact, the hire of Michael Irvin. I'm curious, where's this go? Michael Irvin. You know, <clears throat> when I thought about Mondays <laughs> on first tape, what I never revealed to the public <clears throat> was why I wanted somebody like this man on Mondays. Because I view Mondays, even though it's the morning, as the post-game show. And when we talk about the Cowboys, there wasn't someone out there other than the nauseating fan base. I'm talking about there was no one in this building that really, really pom-pomed on behalf of the Cowboys. So when they lost the fall that was accentuated and illuminated by me, I did not feel had a profound enough effect. I needed someone that would elevate Cowboy fans hope everywhere so the fall would be more dramatic. And that's exactly what you've done. And I thank you, my brother, because this is a good, good morning. All right. So first of all, a lot of you probably watch First Take with the sound off because it's either where you work or maybe it's you see it in a restaurant or bar or airport or whatever. You don't need the sound for that because the cowboy hat is so hilarious. I'm sorry, I'm a sucker for a cowboy hat. I love it. Stephen A looks great in that cowboy hat. There's a there's a brief phase of curb in where Jeff, you know, Larry's manager, decided to wear a cowboy hat. It's my new look! I love it! And it was just funny. There's something about certain people when they put on that cowboy hat, it's just striking. And Stephen A looks good in the cowboy hat. I feel like you should keep it to your round. Um, I like the take, we don't get the bombast from Stephen A, he's doing the slow burn thing. I like him using pom-pom as a verb. I like the way he said I needed somebody, anybody, to elevate the Cowboys so that the fall would be more powerful. Also, I, does anybody in the world gonna be due for their vacation more than Molly Karam? Molly? <laughs> I don't know when you get time off. I don't know where you go. I don't know how you spend your time. Whatever you do, you deserve it. Whether it's in Tahiti or it is just sitting on your couch, you deserve it. I find myself looking at Molly during those segments and <laughs> I don't know if I sympathize. I just respect because, man, that's a job. And then Orlovsky's just sitting there with that twinkle in his eye. He looks like he's enjoying it. I love the whole sitcom cast. Not that it's a comedy. I love the whole cast. It's a great ensemble. Stephen A is doing comedy there for sure. All right, I gotta judge this. Six. Six. It, it's the cowboy hat gets five and a half of it. The take is fine. I would rather have him turned up to 10. I kind of keep waiting for that moment of Stephen A just going absolutely ballistic, but he's just, he's, he's chill right now. So I'm gonna go with a six and I'm gonna go to his combat, combat, combatant, his opponent. Oh, perfect. You wouldn't believe this. Dan Orlovsky from the First Take program. Um, he has an opinion. 
By the way, Dan's 4-1 and one in takes on takes. Only one loss. Average is a 7.4, which you get him an easy win here. Dan Orlovsky on first take with an opinion on the eliminated Cowboys quarterback, Dak Prescott. The problem is with Cowboys fans and Cowboys people, you guys want the player to match the person. The person's a superstar. He is as good as you want when it comes to the intangibles and character. But you guys view him in the same realm as that as a player. And he's not. He's not that player. He is a good player. But he, you guys expect him to be great. He was outplayed by Brock Purdy. In everything that comes to quarterback play, valuing the football, handling a defense, picking apart coverage, using your feet, getting through progressions, making plays when they're there, um, distributing touches. Brock Purdy outplayed him. That's the truth. And I think you guys as Cowboys fans need to sit in that and realize that's who you guys are. You're not the number one offense. You guys live in this world when you score points against bad defenses and you champion and like, look how good we are. You're not. When you guys offensively got to go play against a big-time defense, you guys are as average as heck. It's good. It's really good. I, I like it. I like, I like the take about you want Dak Prescott to be as a player as he is as a person. You want the player to match the person. That's insightful. And I think that's very common in that you get these people, these quarterbacks especially, who, man... Good guy in the media, good teammate, works hard, good person in the community, positive, all that stuff. That doesn't mean squat. That means nothing. Not in the scheme of a football game. That's all important in life. Important as an employee. You need to have that stuff. But you know, I'd rather a, a jerk and a guy who doesn't contribute to charity at all who can win in the fourth quarter as a football player. There's, I can name you tons of guys who are incredible teammates, workers, and they just, they don't have it on game day. That's it. So when the, you're asked about, and the coach asked, is asked about, well, what are you talking about this quarterback? Well, he works really hard. Who cares? That, that's, you're supposed to work hard. No credit for that. We need you to win. And I think Dan's on that with Dak. What's your ranking right now? What's Dak Prescott is the... What number, we'll start 1 through 32 starting quarterbacks? Where would you rank him? Let's say whoever you think is first, Mahomes, or Burrow, Allen, who, it doesn't matter. Where would you put Dak Prescott? 15th? Is that it? Is he, I mean, are we going to split hairs? Is he 12th? Is he 18th? I, he's not in the top 10. He makes so much money. So much. Massive contract. Massive exposure. National endorsements. And to Dan's point, he's good. He's a good player. That's it. I wouldn't say very good, and I definitely wouldn't say great. These are the important words that we use here. So listen, um, Dan was concise. He didn't go on too long. He understands that he's on the stage with a couple of rock stars. When you're talking about the Cowboys with, with Irvin and with Stephen A, he gets in, he makes his point, he talks quarterbacking, and he's insightful. You want the player to match the person, and that's just not happening. That's an eight for Dan Orlovsky who improves his takes-on-takes takes record, who improves his takes-on-takes takes score, who's really turning out to be one of the true winners of that segment. Stephen A. takes another L. Says he's never lost the debate. He continuously loses on takes-on-takes. Takes. I'm rooting for him. I love the hat. This one goes to Dan Orlovsky. But like I said, folks, Michael Flynn, he's got himself a fancy new expensive microphone. 
I bet he's in the kitchen. I bet there's children's decorations that they made at school behind him. Let's go to Brant Awareness and find out. Oh yeah, look at that thing. Look at Mr. Fancy Pants with a fancy expensive microphone. Tell us about your new toy, Flynn, and let's hear how it sounds. We, we've got a new microphone. It is, I believe it's a Yeti microphone, which is interesting oh because God. I also love to drink out of Yetis, use a Yeti cooler. Uh, it's great. I think you're hearing me through my AirPods, so it might not sound yeah. different to you, but the people at home who I'm sure have noticed I've been echoey, I apologize for that. Uh, it should be all better now. And since it's so big, I have to lift up my computer so you see more of my background. Hey, now. Uh, I want to shout out uh, Jason Stewart, who is the producer for the Doug Gottlieb radio show, who listens to Kyle Brandt's basement. He knows a lot about radio. And he's like, yeah, you know, I wish Flynn's microphone was a little bit better. And I was like, all right, well, listen, this is Omaha Productions. We have resources here. We get the proper equipment. And here he is, Flynn, with a brand new microphone and a Yeti at that, just dunking on us, Flynn. What's in the headlines? Yeah, let's get to them. Uh, you know, as we approach the off season, we're going to be looking for some new segments. And what I'm about to show you is something that serves as an inspiration for what I'm going to call the DM slide. Our amazing social producer, Natalie, always checking yeah. the at KB basement, Instagram and Twitter DMs and found one listener. Give us his thoughts on his own Cowboys fandom. Kyle, I'm going to throw it up here and I'm going to let you read it. All right. Can I get some music for this? Because I've not seen this. And I feel like it's going to be a little dramatic. This comes from the KB Basement direct message inbox, which is open and ready. Here we go. I'm going to read this raw. I know you don't love to talk cowboys in any form or fashion, but hear me out. I may have been a fan of the Dallas Cowboys since 2001. I have been a fan. Coincidentally, this is the same year I was born. My father was a fan of the Cowboys, as his father was before him. Naturally, it was expected that I follow suit. However, after this weekend's game against the 49ers, I am considering renouncing my commitment to the team. I can no longer go through the pain of amazing hope and total despair. The cult of madness that is the Cowboys franchise is too hard to support. I continue to hear this is our year, just to know in the back of my mind that it never will be. My father and grandfather will always say, I wish you could have seen them in the 90s. Boy, were they something. Sadly, this is not the 90s, and the hope there will ever be the same team is fleeting. I cannot continue to watch as the ship continues to sink year in and year out. I am renouncing my allegiance to the Dallas Cowboys. Thank you. No, 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 no. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty, your candor, and for purging those feelings into the Calvary's Basement inbox. Whoever you are, whose name we're withholding. I want to, speaking of withholding, I want to hold you to that, sir or madam, because that is a very, very uh, third or fourth week in January thing to say. Hope springs eternal. Will you still be renouncing your fanhood come training camp? Will you be renouncing your fanhood in September when the Cowboys start out 2-0 and and then 4-1? and Will you be doing it then or you'll be reclaiming it? Because this is the cycle. 
And it's sad because the Cowboys are, in fact, a program or an organization that just is, there's, there's a handful of them. And really their whole identity is just this two or three or even one teams from their past. And I know a lot about them. Listen, uh, I grew up in Chicago. The 85 Bears shadow hangs over that franchise, over that city, and it's been almost 40 years. The 72 Dolphins hangs over the Dolphins. It, it's, and that was, despite Marino, despite everything, there's just that one team. And the Cowboys have three teams with one era. And what happens is that team always gets referenced in any sort of talk about them. The players from that team are showing up at the events and the charity functions, and that's all great. But it also can, can become pathetic. It can. Where, you know... We, we played Michael Irvin in this show, and Emmett and Troy are great. Like, that, they last won the Super Bowl together in 1995, guys. Like, that, that was, like, it was the Spice Girls at that time. <laughs> that's, that's when the Cowboys not only last won a Super Bowl, last got to a title game. They haven't even been to the Final Four since the Spice Girls. So, um, it becomes dangerous as a Cowboys fan that, you know, there's been some good years and everything, and the Romo era was fun, and the Dak era is fun. But... It ultimately just comes back to what that writer's saying about his father and his grandfather. Man, the 90s were fun. The 90s? Not even the 2010s, like the 90s. So I hear you. I, I, I don't believe you because you've done this since 2001 and I think when training camp comes around, you'll be back. Probably maybe even the draft, but I appreciate it. And it just goes to show, if you would like to come into the Kyle Brandt's basement DM, it's there. Natalie will find it. If you have something to say, you have something to renounce, something to announce, we're all ears. I mean it. The games are going to be over soon. We're going to need them. Uh, Flynn, let's get back to you and your fancy Yeti that probably cost about uh, one of my car payments. So let's hear it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of segments on this show, certain teams often find themselves in certain segments. You've got the Cowboys. They're mostly going to be on takes on takes. Uh, Dan Campbell and the Lions are in hilarious a lot because they are hilarious. I'm going to dub the the Colts, excuse me, as the Brant awareness team. We talked about them mm. moving away from Matt Ryan, then back to Matt Ryan, then to Nick Foles. We talked about them firing Frank Reich and multiple, multiple times about Jeff Saturday. And now we're going to go ahead and talk about Jeff Saturday again. He's reportedly getting a second interview with the team for the permanent head coaching gig and i want to throw up a full screen that shows just how many head coaching candidates they've interviewed there's a little asterisk on all the guys who are getting second interviews i believe there's eight kyle do you think there's any chance jeff saturday is actually back in indianapolis next year yeah i do i do um and also i'm looking at this this full screen that's the fancy industry term that flynn used that i also use you could be messing with me and you could put up a name that you made up or that is like someone from G.I. Joe or it's TikTok or something that I'm not a, and, and I wouldn't even know. And I would probably about to insult this person. I'm trying to think if Schrager has talked about Bubba Ventrone. <laughs> Bubba Ventrone is in the second interview. You got a call back. He's right there with D'Amico Ryans and Jeff Saturday and Shane Steichen and Dan Quinn and Raheem Morris. But to answer your question, um, no, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's back. He was hired in the first place. And some might say he did the job he was hired to do. Maybe work is left undone in getting the Colts even more draft picks. I don't know. Listen, I've said a lot about Jeff Saturday. I know where I am. He's beloved at ESPN by his colleagues. I thought the hire was ridiculous. Of course, <laughs> the idea of bringing him back again was ridiculous. You want to take on Jeff Saturday? Here's the take. 
he gets hired and some of the responses well the Colts aren't going anywhere and the you know Frank Reich isn't working why don't we hire Jeff Saturday what's the worst that could happen I think we saw it <laughs> they they got a cool win over the Raiders and then just flatlined for two months and in during the two months surrendered the biggest comeback literally in the history of the sport <laughs> so what's the worst that could happen I think it happened but sure bring him back um, wouldn't be my choice but I'm not a billionaire who owns the Colts and the one who does really likes Jeff Saturday you know we were we were so anticipating the takes after the Cowboys loss inevitably in the playoffs which was just a few days ago I think it's now the takes after the Jeff Saturday rehire <laughs> that's gonna be one and believe me there'll be one here um, that's a hell of a, a hell of a state is there anyone that they're not interviewing at all are there any other players that they would like to interview um, we'll see Flynn uh, Jeff Saturday I, I worked with him extremely briefly in the Manning cast audition if you will I was in there with Eli and Peyton and we were talking through the game and we needed someone to come in and simulate a guest and we weren't gonna get you know Charles Barkley or Snoop because it was just a fake show so they got Saturday because they're friends with him and he comes in and he was great and he was awesome and he was smiley and he had thoughts and he was congenial and I had a good experience with him so I don't I don't feel great and I don't relish talking about that the hire was ridiculous because I think he's a good football man I think he's really good on TV I just I don't think that was the right choice for head coach. Yeah, I think pretty much everybody agrees with you. Maybe not Colts Brass. Uh, I I wish I had more creativity to slip a fake name in there. Bubba Ventrone, the Colts special teams coordinator. Of course he is. Shouldn't know that. That's on me. I'll take a laugh. Yeah. Uh, finally, let's move away from football. And I know you and he, you and I each have plans to bring our families to Disney World this offseason. Yep. One ride that won't be available to us is Splash Mountain. It closed earlier this week for a much-needed retheme to The Princess and the Frog. The less said about the movie it had been based on, the better. But the lines for the ride in its final days were four to five hours long. And now that it's closed, people have taken to eBay and other sites to sell jars of Splash Mountain water for as yep. much as $200. Kyle, you buying? First of all, Flynn, tell me, I know what you're talking about, but what, what's the name of the movie it was based on before? What's that called? It, I want to say it's Song of the South, Songs yeah, of the South, about the something South. like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's aged terribly. And also just the ride itself. It's these 40-year-old, ridiculous animatronic things. You can't follow the story. My daughter was so confused last time. Nothing in the whole Disney world needs an update more than that. So that's good. I have to tell you, I'm fascinated by the story. Fascinated. I'm a full Disney dad nerd. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. So I see someone holding up a jar of water. It looks to be about a cup of water, selling it for $200. There will be a buyer. The Disney fans know no limits to their love and their nostalgia and their wallets, irresponsible or not, to pay money through their teeth for some little piece of Disney magic. My question immediately goes to comps. If they were closing down Splash Mountain, first of all, they're not even shutting it down. It's gonna be, there's still gonna be a splash in a mountain. It's just gonna be different characters. It's not like they're tearing it down and replacing it with some Star Wars thing. So I don't know how valuable the water is, but if, imagine if they were doing that for Splash Mountain, you're getting 200 bucks per cup. What would it be for It's a Small World? Because It's a Small World is American history. That's, that's, that's my wife's favorite attraction in the whole Disney world is it's a small world. Like, 
I would have to pay the 200 for a, a, a teaspoon of small world water. And it also reminds me um, when, you know, when the, like a stadium will be destroyed, like the Pontiac Silverdome or something in Detroit, and people in the last game will be tearing up chairs and trying to sneak them out or taking pieces of sod and they just want that one piece of memorabilia in sports. That's what's going on here with the Splash Mountain water. Um, Splash Mountain, a good ride. Terrible, terrible accoutrements, characters, story, just awful. No one gives a crap about that fox or the bunny or the beehive. Everyone just goes on it because there's a huge splash at the end of the mountain. It's really a good name, but the story is idiotic. How much would I pay for a cup of water? I think it'd be a fun, ironic present. Like I would, I would if you have someone in your life who loves Disney, you've been on Splash, Splash Mountain. If I paid more than $2 for that, to give to my wife for her birthday, she would be mad if I paid $3. So I think two, and then that's it. It, it also, man, I have a lot to, this also, I used to watch these late night things like the televangelist specials, like, you know, healing through Christianity or whatever it was. And they would sell this like miracle waters and they would be like this little pocket of water in a plastic tube. And I don't know what it was, 12 bucks or something, plus shipping and handling and people would pour it on and baptize themselves, or maybe they would drink it, I don't know what they would do, but they would sell vials of miracle water online. And um, <laughs> that's reminded me of that and the Pontiac Silverdome, and I kind of want one for $2. What do you got, Flynn? I know you have takes on this. Uh, I'm out of the buying water game. I have plenty of it in my house, but I gotta be honest, I often go into the segment and think of follow-ups I'd have for you ahead of time, and you nailed the comp one. I was going to throw It's a Small World at you. I was going to throw yeah. out Pirates of the Caribbean at you. If you put It's a, you put a, it's a Small World above Splash Mountain, is Pirates of the I Caribbean would, yeah. there too? I would, especially if you go to Disneyland in California. That's the OG, and the Small World there is much better than the one in Florida. Do you want to let an old family secret? I, I'm not even, never mind. I'm not supposed to talk about this. My wife wants her like final resting place if she dies to be in It's a Small World. <laughs> she loves it that much. So if I'm ever kicked out of Disneyland, uh, it's because I'm scattering my wife's ashes in Small World. I'm not even joking. So that water would be very valuable to me. I'll close with the Yeti Mike Flynn. I wish I could credit this comic. I saw this guy on Instagram lately and he said, hey, I got a shirt and it says, um, I like to be outside uh, drinking and I'm an alcoholic. And then he goes, actually it doesn't say all that, it just says Yeti. And I like the yeah. crowd just goes crazy. And I, I didn't even deliver the joke as well as he did, but um, Yeti, it's like, yeah, I think I need to spend $800 to keep these Diet Cokes and Coors Lights cold. I can't possibly do it with an igloo for $30. <laughs> I have friends who have Yeti coolers. I'm like, why? I don't know, power of a brand, they like it. Yeah, we don't own one ourselves, but I have many, no. many Yeti. I, I have the small ones and the big ones, and uh, it's life-changing. It's the only thing I want to drink out of. They're great. This isn't even a Yeti commercial. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, we need follow-up Yeti conversations. In the meantime, if you would like to uh, donate a gift to either Michael Flynn or myself or anybody, buy us some uh, Splash Mountain water and send it to me, and I'll drink it on the air. I'll do, it. I'll do it right here and I'll probably throw up. But Flynn, is that all we got or should we see you tomorrow? We will see you tomorrow. That's all we got. All right. See you tomorrow. I'm going to throw a dart. Let's go to the SkyCam. Now, as I understand, the SkyCam has been doing this cool zoom feature on the dartboard that I'm not privy to because I'm so focused on my dart throw. 
So I'm gonna throw it right now, whatever number I get, there's a corresponding topic that I have to riff on. And if I get a bullseye, I don't have to do anything. So do you wanna go in now or do you wait until I throw? Zoom into the dartboard now, there we go. Look at that, it's so foggy and everything. Let's, let's see, ready? Let's see what number I get. I get a, yeah, that didn't count. Hold on, I'm gonna throw one more. Let me clear the other darts to make sure the integrity of the shot is what it needs to be. All right, stay on your shot, hello. I'm gonna hit a bullseye right now. I'm gonna bring the house down. And a one, and a two, and a three. Nope. I missed again! All right, last time, I promise. This might be the last Kyle Brandt's basement show, certainly the longest. Here we go. There we go. I got a six. What's topic number six? Can I hit one bullseye in five months of shows? Bring up the topics. Damn, I wanna hit that bullseye now. Could you rock a, <laughs> could I rock a ponytail? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, I mean, I could grow one. Um, I remember, I have a random memory of that, when Movember was becoming a huge thing, and not only the guy you work with or your college buddy was starting to grow an ironic mustache that you know was supposed to be for some sort of awareness, but they just did it because it was fun, Movember. A lot of the NFL quarterbacks were growing mustaches on the sideline. And I think Flacco had one and a bunch of other people had one. And I remember Peyton Manning was asked like, are you gonna join the Movember thing and grow a mustache? You'd look amazing with a mustache. And he's just like, I can't, I can't grow one. I can't, I just don't have it. Some people don't have it. Peyton would also look amazing with a ponytail. I probably would too, who wouldn't? Um, yes, I could. I had a, a nice fluffy feathery mullet in my sixth grade high school picture in like 1991. Could I rock a ponytail? Let me tell you something. If you ever see me in this life two years from now or 30 years from now and I have a ponytail, things have gone dramatically bad. I had several midlife crises. I have a different family. I've been abandoned. I'm penniless, jobless, and I decide to go with a ponytail. I don't think that's ever gonna be with me. I just don't, but I could, yeah. I definitely, the man bun took over for the ponytail for men. That's it, I could do it, but I do not think I will do it. I will drink some uh, Splash Mountain water though if you send it. That's The Basement, we're back tomorrow. All kinds of things to talk about. It's championship game week. Thank you guys, love you guys. Go out through the garage and close the door on your way out. See you soon.